Sloaner here at News Radio 700 WLW. Wednesday morning, a little gloomy. It's all good. Horrible news out of uh, Benton County, Kentucky, and uh, about 300 miles away from Cincinnati, down near uh, Nashville, southern Kentucky, Marshall County High School, the scene of a shooting yesterday. Two teenagers dead, 17 other people wounded. The 15-year-old suspect's in custody, a handgun on him, surrendered peacefully to police. And right now we know very little also what we learned yesterday. But one of the elements that come up in this case often, as we saw it around here in you know school shootings all over the country, it's always especially pertinent when it happens in your backyard, which I consider certainly Kentucky to be in the listening area, is uh, getting through these things. Joining me on 700 WW Alan Barres. He's an uh, expert in, uh, in, in tactics and survival. Surviveashooting.com is his website. Alan, welcome again to the show. Appreciate it. Yeah, thank you for having me on. Yeah, uh, let's talk about the latest out of this thing. I mean, we see a lot of common threads here. The thing that struck me yesterday and seeing some of these reports is the number of uh, uh, kids break, uh, literally breaking down fences to get out. Now, we talk about security. We want to keep the bad guys out of school. In this case, it's tough to keep out a student because he belongs there. Uh, and in some cases, we try to make these buildings so airtight that no one can get in. But that's a problem, too, because that means it's difficult to get out. Did we see that in this case? Possibly. I mean, and, you know, the kids that were running and getting out of there, whether through fences, I mean, they did the right thing. They escaped the danger zone to survive. And that's why I'm always teaching you must know the ways out. And you are correct that if we're preventing ways out as well as ways in, we're limiting people's options in an emergency. Yeah, because some of the schools, um, and I recall after some of the shootings, they're like, well, we're going to padlock the doors before we can get new you know, doors with the bars on them, the, uh, the, the belly bars that you hit, you can get out. But, of course, people prop those open, and that's how you could circumvent it. So they get especially tough. I'm thinking, well, that's, that's kind of like locking the doors on, the, on you know, uh, locking the exit doors on the Titanic. Let's you know you got to get out sometimes, and it doesn't afford you to be able to do that too. I was pretty, uh, res- uh, you know, the the first responders got there something like seven minutes, which is pretty substantial considering how um, how rural this area is. Difficult for first responders to get there, but even still, that seven minutes uh, has to feel like seven hours. I would think, as far as telling young people what they need to know relative to surviving a school shooting uh, in that timeline, you have seven to ten minutes before the authorities come. Uh, and maybe the shooting stops, who knows, what what can you do in those 10 minutes? You basically have three options. You escape the danger zone if possible. You put a barrier between you and the shooter, whether that's locking the door and barricading a door to keep a shooter out of a classroom or an office that you're in, or you attack back with something to stop him. I mean, if he's in the immediate vicinity and you can't escape, I mean, if you're in a classroom, he bursts in, what do you do? You, you jump under the desk, you die. You, all of you start throwing desks, chairs, attacking back at the guy. You can stop him, and you'll minimize the amount of people that are injured or killed. You can't eliminate it. Somebody starts shooting, sadly, people are going to be shot. But an immediately attacking back can minimize the damage that the person can do. Uh, that And that's counterintuitive, right? I mean, there's an old adage, and certainly I think 99.9% of people would, if there's gunfire, whatever it might be, probably just duck and cover uh, because you suspend your disbelief and going, this isn't, it's a movie, it's not happening. Whereas guys like you, Alan, are trained to be able to respond. But the old adage is something like you run from a knife, you charge someone with no other results or resort, you go after someone with a gun. Is that true or is that just a Hollywood thing? It depends on where you're at. I mean, charging straight on to a gunman, you you know, no, I'm not advising that. But if you're on a flank, a side, or behind, 
and you can throw something or rush and tackle him, or you have a fire. You know, I teach fire extinguishers in my classes as an improvised weapon. Mm. You spray him, and then you smash him in the head with it. Um, so you do have options, but it's always going to be situation-dependent where you are in relation to the gun person. Well, in, in relation to the barrel, too. I mean, if you if you teach someone to spray <clears throat> someone in the face when they enter a door with a fire extinguisher, I, I suspect you're probably not looking at their face. You're looking at where that barrel is, right? Possibly. I mean, if, you, if, you're, if, if you're lucky enough that the person's outside and you set up an ambush because you weren't able to barricade him out, but you have an ambush for when he comes in or around a corner, the barrel's not going to be facing you the way I teach when you're right there by the edge of the door or the corner. The barrel's going to be pointed away. You spray and smash the guy in the head, take him down. Uh, and at that point, you escape or you try to try to command the weapon? That depends, too. Um, you know, escaping and getting out of the danger zone is never a bad thing. However, if you smash the guy in the head and he drops the weapon, getting that weapon away from that person is ideal. Now, if you know how to use the weapon and you're competent, great. You know, you have a tool for self-defense. Although when law enforcement shows up, you better put that weapon down and show them empty hands and cooperate with law enforcement. Yeah. Because the law enforcement don't know who the bad guy is when they show up. Right. So running around with that bad guy's gun is a bad thing when, you know, you'll be mistaken. So, but putting it inoperable, if you know how to unload it and make it safe and put it somewhere where nobody else can have it, that's ideal. If you don't know anything about firearms, maybe you should leave that to somebody that does. Alan, kick it out of the way. Alan Bercy's uh, SurviveAshooting.com. And, Alan, this sounds all well and good. I mean, you're teaching these tactics, but I, and I'm listening, and I'm going, well, wait a minute now. How many people, especially 15, 16, 17-year-olds, are equipped to be able to do that, to survive, to grab a fire extinguisher and wait for someone to come around a corner who's got a gun and is shooting? Because, you know, it sounds good, but, man, there's something about live fire, right? When, when you, I don't care how well-trained you are. You hear someone live fire. You hear the, the, the sounds. You feel the compression in your chest of a gun, if you've ever been to a shooting range, you know the minute you walk on the range how that how the gunshot only sounds, even with, with uh, you know headgear on, ear protection on, but also the concussion on your chest, too, from the, uh, from the sub-audio of that weapon going off. So that's a whole different situation. Can you really train average people to, to do these kind of things successfully? When you get down into the younger ages, you know, my answer is I don't know, yeah. you know, because we are dealing. But I do know we can train adults for that. And that's why the classes that I teach, you know, in schools are mainly to faculty and staff. And we're teaching the staff what to do. And it's their responsibility then to pass it down to students that could maybe help. You know, if you're in an elementary school, the kids aren't going to be helping, and it's the teacher's job to protect them. A high school, you're going to have some people there in the high school that could help. Not every student, but there's going to be some of those students that can yeah, I, and, and I think at least, you know, in the back of your mind, maybe there's something that triggers, okay, what did I learn in this class rather than panic and freak out? At least some information is better than no information. Regarding what they teach now as far as tactics, self-defense, I know schools across the country here in Ohio, southwest Ohio, Indiana, Kentucky. Uh, heck, I, I think um, in the weeks prior to this attack down in Kentucky, down in Benton, uh, in Benton uh, Marshall County High School, that they recently had some sort of training going on, and that's what saved a lot of these kids from being the next victim. Do you think that the training is, is correct these days, or is there anything else we should be teaching in regards to this? I think we should also be looking at how can we prevent these more. I mean, why do we have so many? And we need to be recognizing 
potential signals, and then having the proper channels that we can report those and have action taken on them. You know, in my mm-hmm. book, I mentioned there's an incident where these couple kids, they suspected, you know, they heard this kid talking about what he was going to do. They told the vice principal. She took it seriously, took action. They stopped the shooting. National news last year, the father that went to the authorities when he found the diary of his daughter who was planning something terrible, and it was stopped before it happened. We need more of that as well. All right. You said um, something could be done here when it comes down to it. Is there anything that can be done about about the school violence, about these kids getting guns and going on shooting sprees, or heck, even what's going on in Vegas? I don't know. I, I mean, my my degrees aren't in what makes the brain tick. So I don't know why so many people are thinking that killing innocent people is the solution to their problems. But statistics show it has been increasing. And so I'm hoping those that have that education are working on it, as well as us that are on the tactic side and the safety side are working and that all of us can maybe do something about this terrible trend that we've been seeing. Yeah, well, there's good information there at SurviveAshooting.com. Alan Bursey is on the show this morning on 700 WOW regarding what just happened out in Marshall County uh, in, in southwest, in southern, rather, Kentucky on the border with, with Tennessee there. And uh, it's one of those things like, you know, a little bit of information goes a long way. God only knows, because if you would have asked, I don't know, 48 hours ago, anybody at that school, in that small school at uh, would you be the victim of gun violence like this? Uh, it's safe to say 99 out of 100 people would say, no, it's never going to happen here. But sadly, we learned, and then tomorrow brings another day where maybe we'll see something like this. So a little information goes a long way in how to protect yourself or a loved one. Alan, thanks for the time. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me on. Anytime. Uh, we'll get a quick time out in, and he brings up an interesting point about how you prevent this kind of stuff from happening. And that's the job of lawmakers, right, to keep us safe. And I I just think this is going to be one of those and has been one of those arguments there's no answer to. Um, But the problem is, of course, the more we try to fix it, maybe the worse we make it. We'll get into that in about four and a half minutes here. Back then, Scott Sloan, News Radio, 700 WLW.